Hey, y'all. This is BA in Science. I'm Maggie. That's Brenna. Hi. And we're so glad you're here to listen to us tell you all about our badass human who also happened to be a scientist. I am kind of looking forward to this week because I had the biography section, which means I had to leave out huge swaths of our guy's life and accomplishments. So I'm hoping to learn a lot from your section today, Brenna. Tall order, but I'm up to it. I know. I'm excited. I think it's going to be cool because I like, obviously I researched them before we, they make right. it to our list, but I, he's one of the first people I found. It was probably six months ago. I have no idea why I even put him on this list. So hope he's cool. I think I put, I put him on the list. You did. You're right. Because I, I read about him and we'll talk about it. I don't want to spoil too much, but he has this thing called the secret of secrets and it sounded really mystical I and I got excited I forgot about that yeah that's exactly yeah. what happened okay yeah cool okay very cool yeah okay so weekly business first check us out on Facebook and Instagram at BA in science that's where we'll post some pics and source info for an episode like always you can also email us at BA in science at gmail if you've got suggestions or addendums or whatever also, wherever you listen, please remember to rate and review or favorite or whatever so people can find us. Here's the thing. Rating and reviewing doesn't mean it, it does nothing to you. What it does is for us. You just click that little like button and then that tells other people, hey, this is something that people are listening to. Do you want to listen to? And then they might or might not, but you've at least done your job. So rate and review. It changes nothing about your life and it just makes us easier to find. All right. Let's get to the addendums. Do you have any addendums? Because I have one this week. I have one as well. Okay. Do you want to go first? Sure. I think I know what yours is. I don't think you do. No, no, no. Okay. Go ahead. So I have a book recommendation because I'm almost finished with The Last Sorcerers, which I have probably mentioned, I think, every episode so far this season. Yes. Um, I'm almost finished with it finally. It's been great. I really enjoyed it. But uh, I stumbled upon another book that I just got from the library. I'm excited about it. It's called The Mystery of the Exploding Teeth and Other Curiosities from the History of Medicine. And it's oh. by Thomas Morris. And so we're talking some medical stuff today, medical history mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I don't even know how this, I don't, I really don't even know how I came upon this book title. But anyway, I just feel like this is right up my alley. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited about it. And you can be sure that if I read anything ridiculously outrageous, I will be telling you about it in another addendum. I'm so excited to hear about this book. Uh, it is exactly the kind of thing you would like. Like exactly. Yeah. It's totally yeah. you. That's awesome. hundred percent. So yeah. So that's my addendum. All right. And no, I was wrong. I didn't know what it was. Well, so my addendum is about saffron. So do you remember in last week's episode, uh, our brawl about Lavoisier and Marat, where we talked about philosopher's wool, philosopher's wool. Oh, philosopher's wool. What was that? Uh, zinc oxide. Oxide. Yeah, it was yeah. zinc oxide. Okay. So we, there was another thing that had mm -hmm. saffron in its name. Mm -hmm. It was like, and it was maybe iron or something. It was an iron. And I made the yeah. remark that we didn't know why it was called that because when you think of saffron, you think yellow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's the thing in my yard, I have planted, I don't know, 12 or 15 bulbs that are fall crocuses and they're really pretty. It comes up and it looks like spiky grass. It looks like your grass has gotten into your flower bed. It's not, it's this spiky grass looking stuff. And then these really pretty white and purple striped, however you want to see it, purple and white stripy flowers bloom. And then in the middle grows saffron. They're saffron crocuses. Oh. That's where saffron comes from. The reason saffron is so expensive, but you don't need very much of it is because you like from one crocus plant, two of those threads of saffron come out and it only grows in the fall. What? So will you be harvesting your yes. saffron? Yes, I okay. do. Like, yeah, I use, I use my own saffron. And I, cause like you can, there's a, I think a red, I, I read on the internet, like how to just Basically, you just have to get it and dry it. It's more, a little bit more involved in that, but yes. Mm -hmm. So I have my own saffron now, which will be great yeah. if I ever want to make vast quantities of paella. I know. So 
but the thing is that when these two, I mean, it's parts of the flower, mm -hmm. but when these two things are growing out of the inside of this flower, mm -hmm. they're dark, rusty red. Hmm. And I, and so as, so they bloomed, they, they bloomed in the last week or so because it's that time of year, it's October. Mm -hmm. So they bloomed in the last week or so. And an, another couple of flowers open every day. And it's like a nice soup. It's a super nice treat for the bees too, because most flowers are done blooming this time of year, but like to have the saffron crocuses, all the honeybees are like, we might not starve this winter. So they're all thrilled. So, but they opened and I was like, oh my gosh, saffron turns things yellow, but the little saffron threads are rusty red. Mm. So my addendum, that's my addendum. It's like, oh, we, well, we couldn't figure out why it was called sa because saffron is actually a rusty red color in the thread versus mm. like when you put it in, you know, cause paella turns bright yellow when you put saffron in there, you know? So interesting. Yeah. So that's my little, like, and it, and it happened, it really did happen as organically as that literally something was growing which is what organic means, guys. All your vegetables are, are organic. Don't worry. None of them are ferrous. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. That's my addendum. So do you have anything else? Did anybody guess our dude for this week? I know it's early, but no guesses yet. No, no. I don't think anyone's going to be able to guess it. This one's pretty It's obscure. It's very obscure, but it's good. It's going to be good. Let's take a quick break and we will get into our guy. Sounds good. So as I mentioned, I get the biography this week, but Brenna is our quote girl. So let's hear the quote and then I'll get into our guy. All right. The doctor's aim is to do well, even to our enemies, so much more to our friends. And my profession forbids us to do harm to our kindred as it is instituted for the benefit and welfare of the human race. And God imposed on physicians the oath not to compose mortiferous remedies mortiferous remedies huh oh yeah yeah i love it yeah. that's a really good quote so who said it Are no you, you know what let me say the name no i'm not i oh, no, right. i'm not because right. we're, we're, we're gonna say the we're gonna say the name one time just one yes. time are you gonna say his full full name i'm gonna say his full full name oh boy the whole thing i'm gonna say it wrong um mm -hmm. someone's gonna it's give so us wrong. a really like a half star review somewhere because I am not fluent in Arabic and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I respect the fact that you think I'm bad at it because I am, but I'm going to say it one time. I will tell you what right. his shorter name was. And then I will call him by the nickname that I gave him, which is much, much, much easier to say. Our badass this week is Abu Bakir Muhammad Zakaria Razi or Razis which is the Latinized version, or Raz, as I will be yep. calling him. Interestingly, I knew a guy named Raz in college. Was he as badass and interesting as this guy? He was a pretty cool dude, yeah. Okay, so maybe that maybe that's, you know, comes to the territory. I don't know if Raz will ever listen to this, but Raz, you're out there. <laughs> I remember you, and you were cool, and probably still are. All right. All right, legit. <laughs> So Raz was born in 854 AD in the city of Ray, which I did look up, and that's how you say it, which is south of modern-day Tehran, uh, which is the capital of Iran. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take a minute to discuss what's going on in the ninth century, and I want to start with the Roman Empire. So let me go ahead and squash like a thousand years of history down to less than five minutes real quick, just like real quick. Okay. Rome was a gigantic empire. And it stretched over most of the known world during its time. Yeah. The Western part was influenced by Latin ways and the Eastern part was Greek. Mm -hmm. In the late 200s, a guy named Diocletian split the empire into East and West, which is always a bad idea. If you're wondering, should I divide my kingdom? The answer is always a resounding no. Just that in case you've never yeah. seen Shakespeare or literally read any other history, anything. Should I split my kingdom? No, don't do it. But he did it. And now, the, of course, the two parts begin to diverge dramatically in their history. Emperor Constantine moved the capital of the Eastern Empire to Constantinople in 330. But at this time, the West was having trouble with Germanic barbarians. And many consider the Western Roman Empire... No, 
Many consider the Western Empire to have fallen in the 400s. But the Eastern Empire was actually doing pretty good. They were kind of just like trucking along. In the 500s, Justinian I was this new emperor that was going to kind of keep things going. And this is when in history, like now, we start calling it the Byzantine Empire. But at at the time, they didn't call it that because they're like, no, we're just Roman, but we call it the Byzantine empire kind of at this point when Justinian the first takes over. Justinian the first actually had a really cool wife. Her name was um, Theodora and her dad was a bear trainer. He trained bears for the acrobats. Hmm. Yeah. When, so she was obviously a commoner and she became an empress. So she's very cool lady. You should look her up. I wonder if Queens podcast has covered Empress Theodora. Uh, I think her name was Roxelina before she became Theodora. And in that case, yes. Yay. I can't wait to hear it. Oh, disclaimer though. If anyone of you, you hear us talk about Queen's podcast and this podcast will kill you. This podcast will kill you is um, medically graphic, but not very cussy. There's no cuss words in that one. Queen's is literally 75% swear words. So if you're cussy, super cussy, but very entertaining. So if the the cuss words are going to bother you, don't listen to it. And it is not safe for kids in any way. They did over the summer, like PG 13 versions of oh. some of their episodes but i haven't listened so they still might be probably for most of you with younger ears more maybe than you want them to hear so that's, but anyway, that's fair. yeah super cussy they have their own disclaimer yes when you listen because of how super cussy but if are. we're going to be but if i feel a duty to our listeners if we're recommending a podcast true that we should let them know that it's hilarious but also very cussy true that so anyway justinian and his empress are begin running the Byzantine empire. So there are some battles and some fighting with the Arabs at this point, because they're trying to expand, but eventually there's like a leveling off of the fighting between the East and those, that group of people. And uh, cause I'm going to come back to them. So let me just leave the Arabs and the Persians there for just one second. Cause in 800 AD Charlemagne you'll remember is Charles the Great Charlemagne. He was crowned emperor of the Western Roman Empire, which is going to become the Holy Roman Empire. He's in the Carolingian dynasty after the Pippinid dynasty, if any of you care about any of that. Um, And that's different from the former Western Empire though. There's the Western Empire and then the Western Roman Empire. Those are two different things. So the Western Roman Empire will become the Holy Roman Empire. Okay. Now, when Charlemagne was crowned emperor of the Western Roman Empire, Mm -hmm. the East did not like that one bit, did not care for it. Zero stars, do not recommend. Mm -hmm. 200 years later would be the final break of East and West. And we're not, we don't need to go that far because Roz, our dude, was living in Persia during the late 800s and early 900s. So that's where we're going to focus with Um, Charles the Great, Charlemagne being in charge of the Western Roman Empire and the Byzantine Empire, which was the Eastern Empire, enjoying its golden age during the Macedonian dynasty. Hmm. It wasn't a totally peaceful time, however. I want to go back to when I was talking about Arabs and the Persians and that kind of thing. We have the Abbasid Caliphate, and they were fighting with the Byzantines for most of this time. And I want to turn our attention to this Abbasid Caliphate, which I'm potentially am pronouncing wrong, but I did listen to it a hundred times and I'm doing my best. It's the third caliphate and a caliphate is an Islamic state under the leadership of an Islamic ruler. It's the third one of those after Muhammad. And it lasted from 750 to 1517-ish. So Raz lived near the beginning of this caliphate during what is considered the golden age of Islam. The Islamic golden age is really important to Raz's story. It's also very complicated. Like I said, I've been, I've been stumbling over, do I call them Arab? Do I call them Persian? It's complicated. What it boils down to is this. This period of time in this part of the world saw a recovery of a lot of the Alexandrian mathematical, geometric, and astronomical knowledge. Because mm-hmm. remember, the library at Alexandria was burned and see our episode on Hypatia for how we feel about that. Again, yep, thumbs yep. down, not fans. Yep. So algebra was developed during this time. And we'll probably give an entire episode to that whole situation in Al-Kharizmi. Um, but 
huge and major advances in medicine were made during this time, which is kind of where our guy comes in. So Bryn is going to deal with all of that. Mm -hmm. And there was more development of the not so great geocentric model of the solar system. Hmm. Yeah. There was also literature. This is the time when we had 1001 Arabian Nights featuring Scheherazade, who outsmarted the king by not finishing his bedtime story until the next day and then immediately starting a new one. So he always needed to know what came next. And they ended up like falling in love and having children and he never killed her. So it's very romantic. I mean, not being killed, not being murdered by your king husband, super <laughs> romantic. Yeah, sure. Yeah. There was also poetry, philosophy, a lot of culture and learning and thinking. It was a really good time to be interested in natural philosophy in Persia, to say the least. So let's focus on Raz, who was in fact interested in natural philosophy. According to a couple of my sources, his father was a goldsmith and he encouraged Raz toward alchemy. As I mentioned before, and as Bryn and I have argued about, alchemy was beginning to morph from the turning lead to gold kind of thing to healing and medicine. But again, I know that Bryn is going to get into a lot of that. So I'm not going to deal with it, whatever. And she's still making that face that she made the last time, but whatever, yeah. we're not dealing with that. If you want to hear our fight about that, we have, you know, listen to our old episode. Raz is credited with discovering many chemical substances like ethanol and sulfuric acid. Besides chemistry though, Raz was interested in music in his early life. He totally, oh. oh, he totally went through a musician phase because musicians get all the chicks. Everybody knows that. One biographer said he was really good at the lute and at yeah, I know, and at vocal music. Guys, he was a guitar player and lead vocalist. <laughs> I picture a really, really like ancient world Alan Levine type. Good at the guitar pretty hot that's kind of like that's where my head is with Raz at this time he's going <laughs> through this musician phase okay okay but he did grow out of it he did not stay a musician and he decided to pursue medicine he's like you know what the musician thing's not working out I think I'm gonna be a doctor to, probably to, to the delight of his mother who was like oh he's going through this musician phase I cannot listen to him write one more song and he's like you know mom I'm gonna be a doctor and she was like yay that's what I think. Happened. We think that sometime in his thirties, we're pretty sure he was in his thirties. He went to Baghdad to study and there were hospitals and libraries and all kinds of stuff. Thanks to it being the golden age and all that. He studied under men who knew Greek and Indian and Persian medicine. And his education was really excellent. He made a name for himself by writing all kinds of books and treatises. And the number I read was like 200. He wrote like 200. Oh, wow that we know of. Oh, he wrote a lot of stuff. Yeah. I knew he wrote a lot. I guess I never looked at like total amount. Yeah. Like 200 books, books and treatises, and that kind of thing. Um, he was also a very successful doctor. Again, Brian's going to get into all of that stuff. Yep. So he's doing great in Baghdad. And now he's like, you know what? I'm gonna go back to my hometown and see what I can do there. So he goes back to Ray and he was put in charge of the new hospital there, which flourished under his direction and his reputation really continued to grow. Eventually, the caliph, who is the guy in charge, asked him to build the largest ever hospital in Baghdad. So, and the story goes with this. Do you know this story? Mm -mm. Okay. So the story with this goes that he had to pick the best place to build it. So he didn't know like where the best place in the city would be to build a hospital. So he put pieces of meat, raw meat, around different areas of Baghdad, and he checked them after a few days and selected the location where the piece of meat was the least rotten as the site of the hospital. I know, okay. I know, like, I don't know why. How he did he said, keep the, the meat from getting like stolen or eaten or? I don't know if he was like geocaching the meat. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I imagine it to be similar to be geocache where only he would know where they were or if someone was really looking for it. You wouldn't just stumble across. But I feel like an animal is going to find it. You tell Maybe. me there aren't like cats and dogs and things running around. Of course there were. Maybe he went, see, like what was in my head was that he would like go to a random shop owner and be like, listen, I need you to do me a favor. And they were like, do what now? And he's like, the caliph said so. And they're like, oh, well, if he said so, I'll do whatever you want. That's kind of what I imagine happening. 
and it was only a couple of days. So, and, and it was long enough, obviously, to start rotting. And the one that was least rotten, he was like, obviously, this is the cleanest location to build a hospital, which, okay, like I can see how that would be your conclusion. I don't know why you would think less rotten meat indicates more cleanliness because we have a different understanding of how decomposition works now. But he had a scientific method. I think that using rotting meat to pick a hospital site is totally metal and totally BA. I'm just all in on that. Fair enough. And he was known for his evidence-based methods. So very on brand for him in terms of the way he picked hospital. So he's at this hospital and he's dealing with patients and everything that goes with being a doctor. And he was widely known to be very compassionate and devoted to the people that he treated. And he would work with people who were rich or poor or anything in between. He usually treated poor people for free, which was not common at the time. He had many students of every imaginable background too. I read in one paper that Raz was considered a sheikh or a sheik, you can say it either way. And I like, I know what that conjures up, but that's an honorary title given to someone who's allowed to teach and oh. surrounded by several circles of students. Yeah, I got a whole education on what that word oh. actually meant. So, and if I'm, and if, and if I got that wrong, someone let me know, but that was what I looked up because I saw this word and I looked up how to pronounce it and what it means. And it came up like, and I was like, this doesn't sound like the sheik of Araby at all, but I don't think that that's, I don't think hmm. the Beatles had it right in that case. Anyway, <laughs> think of him like a professor with like two layers of grad students that you have to go through to get to him. So like when someone had a question, it was passed on to students in the first circle. They had a question for Professor Raz and his lower level of grad students was like, excuse me, he's having, he's not having office hours today. You have to talk to us first. And they're like, okay, fine. So they would ask his students. And if they didn't know the answer, they were like, you know what? I'm going to escalate this question. I'm going to go ahead and send it to the second level of grad students and, and whatever. So however many circles there were, it would just keep getting escalated until if nobody knew then Professor Raz would like take the question and answer it. And that would like, that would be how that kind of worked. So in 907, he goes back to Ray again, back to his hometown again. So remember how I said that he was kind of into alchemy when he was younger? Well, here's the thing about that. It is believed that in doing that, the chemicals that he used gave him chemical induced cataracts. So he went blind in his later years. There's several stories about his blindness, though. There's some debate because there's one story that there was a like he had this patron, this guy that was like, hey, do this, do this thing, turn this into gold or do whatever. And he couldn't do it or didn't do it or displeased the patron in some way. And so the patron like hit him on the head with a book or something and his own it, book, his own book. Yeah. His own works and like caused him to go blind. You know, it, yeah. it led to. A blindness later in life. I lean toward the, he was using chemicals that just destroyed his eyes. Yeah. Now there was, there was also some, there was one source that also said that his blindness may have been caused, caused by his diet because someone had it written down somewhere that he only ever ate beans, <laughs> <laughs> which quite frankly, yeah, only eating beans will probably cause you to go blind. Like, I think that's a terrible idea. So I don't know again, it's hard to get information on people from this part, this time in history. So in any case, a doctor came to him with an ointment to cure his blindness because they were just like, well, he's a great teacher. He's a great doctor. He can't, we can't do this blindness thing. So Raz is like, I'm just going to let this guy treat my eyes. Hold on a second. He asked the guy how many layers the eye contained. And the guy was like, I don't know. So he <laughs> said, so he said, quote, my eyes will not be treated by one who does not know the basics of it and its anatomy, end quote. Fair enough. Yeah, Fair which, enough. okay. Yeah, like I wouldn't have, like I went to the eye doctor today and he was really great. He was a new one. He's really great, knew what he was talking about. And I said, okay, you can treat my eyes. I did think you of that. You want an oculist, not an occultist to treat you your eyes. You do want an oculist, not an occultist. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I've, I feel like the guy bringing the ointment leaned more toward occultist, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So 
and and people but people were not okay with it people were just like no seriously there's lots of ways you could treat this so finally he was like and this is a quote i have this written down as a quote no i have seen the world so long i am tired of it end quote <laughs> so preach yeah so speaking of being totally metal and ba that quote right there both of those things so Raz dies in 925 and was buried in Ray. And that is what we know about him. One of my sources made a note that the, this is a quote too from this really cool book that I read. Um, it's called the, where is it? Oh, The Spiritual Physic of Rosas, translated by Arthur J. Arbery. Did you see this book? Mm, no, I don't think, I don't think so. So this guy, like, and this is like in the this is from a long time ago this is not a recent book this is an old several several printings old book um and it was this guy who took a whole bunch of writings and treatises and papers and stuff from this time in persian history mm -hmm. and translated it so that we could preserve it and so that we would have it to study and whatever so yes. he yeah, it's actually a really cool little book. So the physic, the, what did I say it was called? The Spiritual Physic of Razas. It's a, like the whole book is his writing, just translated okay. by this guy. So in his preface, he says, quote, the Arabs of old were curiously incurious about the private affairs of their great men of learning. So I can't tell you if he was married. I can't tell you if he had kids, but right. I do suspect he did not. Here's why. I told you that Raz wrote this book himself, right? So he's got his own little preface to his book. And he says that he was chatting with his pals and someone mentioned this treatise Raz had written on reforming one's character. So his boss slash patron told him, hey, you need to write a book to expand on that. And that's what this book is. But let me tell you some of the chapter names of this book. Of suppressing and restraining passion. How a man may discover his own vices. Repelling carnal love and familiarity of the virtuous life. And so, and it goes on like that. There's a, that's okay. kind of like of a theme. So I read a few of the chapters, some just like breezed through a couple. I didn't read the whole book. Yeah. I breezed through a couple of chapters. I am 99% sure he never had a wife based on what I read. All but right. there's nothing written for sure about it one way or another. Okay. But we don't know. I feel like if he had children, we would have known or whatever. But as far as we know, it's it's nowhere that I could find. Okay. So that is the short and sweet biography of Raz, who was totally BA for reasons that I will discuss later and probably some reasons that you're going to tell us. So I am so excited to get to your segment. So let's take a quick break and we'll get into it. All right. Okay, Rena. We need to take a minute to tell everybody about Proton Guru and the MCAT ladder. Yeah, we definitely do. It's really great. The whole idea of Proton Guru is academic accessibility. So at protonguru.com, you can find a free full organic chemistry course, a free MCAT organic course, and diversity modules related to organic chemistry. The cool new thing that just got added might be the best part though. It's called MCAT ladder, and it's an MCAT test prep course like no other. It's prepared by a group of passionate faculty who really wanted to keep costs low. The big thing about the program, though, is how thorough it is with exceptional concept explanations and visual learning, plus questions that are challenging like real MCAT questions. The MCAT ladder is only $500. And if that's not enough, they have a scholarship program, too. So go on over to protonguru.com. And check out all the amazing stuff that's there. With MCAT Ladder, it's all about reaching down to help others climb up, which is a very badass thing to do. Okay, Brenna, let's get to Raz's science. So tell me, tell me why he's even a name in science. All right, well, I'm going to cheat a little bit and I'm going to give another quote to start this segment too, just because I couldn't really pick between the two quotes, but I mean, mortiferous was a, a good word. So I picked that one first, but good. I just wanted to read another quote of his and it's, I do not write what I do not discover through my own practical experience. 
so that'll be really important because um, as we'll talk about, and you've mentioned it too, just a lot of evidence-based medicine essentially is what we'll, we'll get into with Raz. So mm-hmm. we know that he was kind of involved in various things. It wasn't just medicine or whatever. Um, and so what's cool to me is that especially coming off of not that long ago, researching Hypatia, mm-hmm. we have so much more of his work and we know more about him. I mean, we still don't know a ton about his personal life, but we have so much more of what he did written down and preserved and everything like that. So I was worried when I started looking into him that I would struggle to find things about some Persian guy from the 10th century. So I was pleasantly surprised. So anyway, um, I have several books right now on the history of science or the history of chemistry, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And almost all of them at least mention Raz. So Mm -hmm. I think his contributions related to medicine and alchemy are to me the most interesting there. I'll mention a couple other things, but I focused on medicine and alchemy because, you know, well, it's my podcast and we do what we want. We do so what we want. Yeah. I won't comprehensively cover everything. It's even with his med, uh, his medical work, I, I still won't even cover that comprehensively because there's just so much, as you mentioned, there's a lot of writing from yeah. Raz. And so there's no way for me to cover it all. So I'm kind of just going to pick and choose my favorite parts to talk about. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's talk about medicine in the Eastern world in the 10th century. When we talked about Gutmann, I remember we had a discussion about the Western world appears to have regressed after the fall of Rome in terms of medicine, science, and so forth. And it appears that the East didn't have that same problem. You know, and mostly the reason we have that thought or why you learn that in your civilizations class or whatever is because we don't have writings from the West really in terms of medicine, science, and those kinds of things. So we do have that for people who are living in the East. So by the time Raz comes around, it isn't like there haven't been developments um, in the Eastern world in alchemy and medicine, but I do think he kind of changed the game. Okay. So let me start by talking about his approach to medicine. I'll just treat medicine and then I'll treat alchemy as two separate things. Okay. So we take for granted how interactions with the doctor work today. Like you go in, you fill out your paperwork and you fill out your family history and you get really tired of filling out all your previous medical history. Every time you switch doctors, it's like, can't you just get all this information from my previous doctor? So I don't have to tell you about all my surgery dates that I don't remember anymore. I didn't even I remember this now. I didn't even remember them the first time. Like I vaguely remember when my appendectomy was because it was right after my first kid was born. So, I mean, that one is a little bit more memorable because it was a week after she was born that I had to have my appendix out. So I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that date. But otherwise I don't, right? Anyway. Oh, and, when, and when they want to know when your when your wisdom teeth came out, I don't know. Dinosaur I make it up every time. Year. I don't know. Yeah, it's different. If you looked at all of my medical histories, it looks like totally seven different, different people. I don't know. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but right, so, but we're accustomed to your family history gets evaluated, your previous medical conditions, history, surgery, all that stuff. And then your doctor comes in and goes over your charts and all that good stuff. And then oftentimes after testing and all that, you get a diagnosis, right? I mean, that's just, we don't even really, I don't really even think about it going to the doctor. Just just go in and fill out paperwork and the doctor's like, oh, what's going on? And you're like, hey, I feel like this. And they go, oh, it's probably this. Um, But it shouldn't really surprise anyone that that isn't always how medicine was practiced. I mean, if you remember from last week, when we talked about Jean-Paul Marat, he was unique in that he would meet face-to-face with patients and talk to them. And that was in the late 17th century, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this is the 10th century. Okay. So this is not the normal thing. So Raz is unique because he does start practicing medicine in a way that because he wrote it down and we have surviving copy of it was probably on the cutting edge of a newer approach to medicine. Okay. So there's one book of clinical stories and medical histories recorded by Raz. And it's basically a classical case book describing precise clinical courses of 33 patients. So this case book was translated into English, I believe in 1935. 
I did not try to figure out a way to get a copy of this because the reference that I was using on this just kind of included a lot of um, Mm. pieces from there. So I didn't actually try to find the original source, but there was recognition um, that his work could be helpful or useful to other doctors practicing medicine really anywhere in the world because he wrote all this stuff down. Yeah. And I'll have, I'll have a bit more to say about that in a minute, but I want to talk about these case stories because I just, I want to just read a couple of them. We just, I love this kind of stuff as you saw from, or heard from last week talking about philosophic wool. Yes. So just a few titles for the cases, the story of Malek, the accountant, parentheses, a bilious, bloody dysentery. Ew, ew, oh, oh, those are three words that I do not want together in reference to me. Yeah, gross, right? Um, Also, I just think it was interesting, like an accountant. Anyway, aortic regurgitation. Uh, Oh! That's that's when your aortic valve doesn't close properly, and then your blood leaks back from your aorta into your left ventricle. But anyway, he was writing about that, right? That's Um, bad. I mean, good that he was writing about it, but yeah. yeah. A case of smallpox, and I've got to talk about smallpox yeah. here in a minute too. Obesity and gout, acute glomerulonephritis, which is not easy to say, but if you notice the end of it is nephritis. Um, Kidneys. Yeah, following measles. This was a, a kidney condition following measles, and oh. we've talked about nephritis a lot. And again, it is. It's you have nephrons in your kidneys, and you know you probably are never going to forget it if you've listened to all our podcasts because this is like the fourth time I've talked about nephritis yeah um so this uh, nephritis following measles Mm. um and this those are just a couple you know a few of the 33 in that book but I just found it so interesting the wide variety diseases and conditions that he discussed um and again what what we would take for granted as normal medical practice was something that Raz I think kind of did help develop because he talks about the patient the present illness the age of the patient, past medical conditions, oh. possible risk factors, family medical history. Like, again, it's a, it is, it's a, cl- like a classic case book of here is a patient with this and here's all this things you need to know. And here is the, right. So um, he describes physical findings from the actual examination mm-hmm. and he even does some lab tests on the patient. Um, and by lab tests at this point, really, uh, just as an example, he would test urine and would yeah. note color, consistency, impurities, and so forth, because you can't, I mean, there, there, there are things you can learn from pee. So yeah, well, if you, again, TPWKY just did an episode on diabetes. Yeah. If your pee is sweet, you probably need some insulin. Yeah. Well, then there's like, there's maple syrup, urine disease. Yes. We discussed that. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but fun fact Ooh. In, in case number six, mm-hmm. he details information about the urine of a post-catheterized patient, which <gasps> of course I'm mentioning because we spent so much time talking about catheter, catheterization in our Gutmann episode, Yes, much to dad's chagrin. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to research how catheterizations were being done in the 10th century, but also I don't. I, because I, I don't know that I want to stumble down that rabbit hole, given what I stumbled across looking at information from, yeah. from Gutmann's time. But there's a part of me that's very, very curious about the fact that the 10th century, they were catheterizing. Patients. Can we get someone who's a listener <laughs> who knows about it to just tell us without pictures? Because the problem is when you look or up- two graphic descriptions. Yeah. And, and pretend that I'm, pretend that I'm a 10 year old. And I've asked yeah. about 10, I'm a 10 year old homeschool kid. And I have asked about 10th century catheterizations, which is something that could very well happen in the homeschool world. Trust me on this. Tell us, tell me like I'm that kind of person because I don't, I, I don't want to know about, I don't want a picture. I don't want that in my head. Yeah. Just, you know, but I am curious ish. Right. Yeah. But I had to, when I saw that, I said, wow, I've definitely got to mention this because you know, I did promise after the Gutmann episode that at least the next episode would not include talk about catheters. But we've made no other such guarantees. So literally any episode from here on out could talk about catheters. Sorry, just what it is. You know, just like nephritis comes up a lot. Yes. So besides this approach to medical examination, Raz is credited with important contributions to pediatrics. And so there were a couple sources, like one source called him a pioneer in pediatrics. Another source called him the father of pediatrics. 
I'm not sure father pediatrics, I, I guess, you know, my personal opinion, I guess I would lean towards pioneer in pediatrics. I don't know that he was necessarily a father, but he did treat children. Hmm. Um, and he did have a treatise on pediatric diseases or known as the disease. I mean, the diseases of children, I think is what it would actually literally translate into, but um, it's a 24 chapter book that was translated into Latin, German, English, and Italian. And it wow. details a lot of infantile and childhood diseases along with remedies. Wow. Also very important in pediatrics um, to the development of um, understanding deadly childhood diseases like measles mm-hmm. was his book, A Treatise on Smallpox and Measles. Yeah. And this was the first book that described the two as different diseases rather than just like general rashy stuff. Yeah. So he's the, the one at least written record that we have of someone saying, you know, these two things, they're rashy things, but they're different rashy things. And really he recorded how they differed in their cutaneous manifestations. So how, how would it affect the skin mm-hmm. and then how other systemic symptoms varied as well? Oh, because they're very different. Yeah. Yeah. Those differences led him to separate them into two different diseases. And TPWKY does have a really good episode on both of these episodes. So if you are interested in the history of smallpox and measles specifically, um, give those a listen. I'm not sure if they mentioned RAS though, because it's been a while since I've listened to. I don't think so. And I would, I think I would remember they might mention Avicenna, but I don't. Okay. But I don't know. I know that they mentioned him in other episodes, but yeah. So, um, so I think for that, especially it's, you know, that case or that treatise, that 24 chapter treatise, and then his treatise on smallpox and measles, I think that's why he gets, um, the accolades as term in terms of pediatric development. Okay, cool. So there's a medical text. It's a longer name, but, uh, like shorthand, I saw it written as just like Al Hawi, H-A-W-I, I think is maybe how you pronounce it. Um, you know, whatever. But it includes a huge amount of information on diseases, symptoms, causative factors, how to diagnose and treat all those diseases. Mm -hmm. And this became widely used in medieval medical manuals in the West as well. Um, So, which I find interesting that even back then, you know, medieval times is not that far after what we'd consider the, the 10th century, right? His, his work does make its way West and they do translate it into um, languages they can read and understand. And that does get used, uh, kind of as a text for physicians and practicing, you know, practicing medicine. Wow. Um, I wish I had information. I would love to know how it made it from Persia West, you know, but it yeah. didn't, I didn't try to go down that rabbit hole, but I, you know, how did it get from middle of Iran to, you know, Italy or whatever. I, right. So really know. interesting. I don't know. I don't know a lot about. Okay. Traders. Period. It was, it was trade. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I guess it would have had to have been. It was trade or there was a guy that had been living there and he had relatives or someone was visiting and whatever. And he got sick and Raz treated him. And he was like, can I take some of this back with me? Because I got a whole bunch of people back in my hometown that could really use this. I feel like it was probably something as simple as that. Yeah. I don't know but it did make its way West even back then. So um, one other book I want to mention in terms of his medicine Mm -hmm. is a manual he wrote for a general audience. So it was for the poor, the traveler, the ordinary citizen to basically have medical advice when a doctor was an option. I feel like it was like the first WebMD. Yes. Okay. But is it one of those where- Symptom and this symptom. Okay. You have this, so do this, you know? I hope that it was better than WebMD because WebMD is <laughs> the end in our house. Because seriously, it's like it's like that meme where it's like you're dead. I have a headache and WebMD says and it'll be your last. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but the book is 36 chapters and it's diets, drug components you can find in the apothecary, the marketplace, the kitchen, a military camp, and so forth. And I want to give a few examples of what I read um, from this book. Um, again, I didn't find the actual source, like I didn't go to primary source, but this was cited in a reference. And so I'm, I'm working from what they kind of related, Mm -hmm. but they're just fun. Okay. So for, and, and they read kind of just like recipes, like medical recipes. So for a feverish headache, you needed two parts of oily extract of rose to be mixed with one part vinegar. And then you would put that on a cloth and like use it as a compress for your head. 
Oh, so he was like also one of the first essential oil salesmen. Maybe. Okay. Although I think that's, I mean, I mean, oils and that kind of thing are more common in Eastern medicine anyway. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I think today even still, I don't know a lot about it, but I feel like. I feel like that's probably true. So kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for a laxative. Oh no. Yeah. You needed seven drams of dried violet flowers okay. with 20 pairs macerated and mixed well, then strained. Add to this filtrate 20 grams of sugar for a drink. These are like direct quotes, by the way. Oh, um, by okay. the way, but anything when I, um, I think when I was pregnant, the doctor told me like, if you need extra fiber, then have this. If you need extra vitamin B, have this, whatever. One of the things that she said was any, any fruit that starts with a P has lots of fiber in it. Yeah. So, so pears, I mean, fiber, laxative. Okay. I'm there Strain. Well, and think about yeah. when you, what happens when you give babies pears. Yeah. Um, I did look up the measurement of a dram because yeah. I was curious, but there are a few variations between British and American drams. But anyway, seven drams would be a little under an ounce. So it's actually not that much. Oh, okay. I mean, seven drams to me sounds like a lot, but like you know. seven whole drams. It's like, it's I mean, like but a you shot. know, like a shot. if you're Scottish and you're talking about having a wee dram, like it's not that much. I don't know. Anyway, it's a, thing, it's a finger of whiskey. It's like a finger of whiskey. Like it's, yeah, okay. It's an ounce. So in case you needed that recipe, now you have it. Perfect. Um, poppy seed, AKA opium was mm -hmm. listed as a good choice for melancholy, you know? Um, I don't, I feel like it would make you, it's gonna make you more melancholy, but okay. I, I don't, I don't know. But anyway, I think it would be, it would be a really fun book. I think to read in its entirety. I, mm -hmm. again, I don't know if there's a full copy in English, uh, that exists, but it would be super fun if we could have that and read that because you know, whatever. Very cool. Okay, so I know we've talked about Greek influence and Roman influence, even in the East, again, because kind of that Greek component from, you know, from Alexandria, it, it all kind of moved East. Mm -hmm. um, and so Raz studied predecessors like Galen, who was a super big deal in medicine in the ancient world. The biggest big deal. Yeah. Uh, he, I would say he's even a bigger deal than Hippocrates. Yeah, maybe. So Galen was big into the theory of humors. Yeah. Um, that I think that does get credited to Hippocrates maybe, but Galen was big into it. Mm -hmm. So you have four humors. Uh, I mean, this is what they believe. You have four humors, blood, phlegm, black bile, and yellow bile. Mm -hmm. And you have to balance your humors. And if you're sick, it's a matter of, you know, oh, well, you've got too much blood. So put a leech on there and you'll balance back out. Right. Ooh, I mean, that's, yeah. that is why some of those treatments were the way they were because, mm -hmm for a very long time, um, this is kind of how people saw medicine or how do you treat? It's like, well, got to balance those humors. Um, and I read that that theory kind of persists all the way till the mid 19th century. Um, when germ theory finally became a thing, which we talked yeah. about with Daniel Hale Williams, mm -hmm. germ theory kind of starts to become a thing of like, it's not just the air. It's not just your black bile, whatever. Yeah. Um, but there were things like this that Rask wasn't sure he agreed with. And so he wrote some about his criticisms of Galen and challenged some of the, you know, kind of accepted ways of thinking. So wow. I found that really interesting. I didn't go into finding his actual quotes or texts from um, some of that, those criticisms, but I found that really interesting. Um, ben, like you mentioned, beyond practicing medicine, he also taught medicine and he would use his case studies as a way to help other students wanting to learn medicine. Mm -hmm. um, also because of his extensive writing on using medications for treatment, as we've mentioned some, right, we've, I've listed some out, he was really on the frontier of pharmacotherapy, which is just means you use drugs to treat diseases mm -hmm. and other pharmacists then also look to his work for learning more about it. Um, I did read, he favored in general, simple treatments, natural remedies, if possible, if stronger intervention was needed, he wasn't in favor of like drug cocktails, you know, like mm -hmm. don't, don't mix all the things together. Like just try this one thing. If it had to be something a little less natural, whatever, mm -hmm. um, which I think I read was kind of popular with other Islamic doctors at his, or I guess Muslim doctors at his, at the time mm. would have been like these, just like concoctions of stuff, 
oh potions um, kind of thing yeah yeah oh, okay um and so i know this is kind of probably more appropriate to legacy but they do celebrate uh razi day or pharmacy day on august 27th in iran because of this super cool i think i read that somewhere that's super cool yeah yeah so just kind of a lot of uh a lot of ways in medicine where and we've mentioned this term before is evidence-based medicine it was about you know, that quote I read, it, what do I actually observe? What am I seeing? What can I actually understand? And it's not just, oh, well, your black bile must be out of whack. So let's try something, you know, yeah. the fact that he was methodical and writing things down and looking at his family histories and medical histories and all that kind of stuff, just find it really interesting. So obviously he holds an important place in the development of medicine um, with that very scientific approach, which was unusual for the time. Mm -hmm. So how's that for giving some details on Dr. Raz? I think that's good. I think Dr. Raz is pretty cool. I love, I like, I have a whole list of things to talk about in our last section about why he's a BA. So yeah, very cool. So let's talk a little alchemy then. Yay. All right. Did you know that the word alchemy is of Arabic origin? Yes, I did. So I don't know what it is, but I did know that. So alchemia, I don't know, maybe alchemia, it's a, it's a Y in there, is the Arabic term. And I didn't know, I bet dad probably knew this. Dad knows I'm sure this. he did, 100%. But sure. al, A-L, is the Arabic definitive article. So words that start that way are probably Arabic in origin, like algebra, algebra. alcohol. Yeah, that's why I knew that alchemy was because I knew algebra because of mm-hmm. al-charisme. Like I, yeah. I knew that, yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool because I don't know anything about Arabic, the language, right? Um, and also Arabic alchemy specifically, like, because again, I'm reading this book, The Lost Sorcerers, and alchemy really did start in the East and it moved West, mm-hmm. but Arabic alchemy is responsible for the idea of the philosopher's stone. Mm, okay. Which um, we've talked about the philosopher's stone because I said, I told you, uh, told you all that Boyle, uh, Boyle was the one who was um, looking for the philosopher, looking for the philosopher's stone for a good chunk of his life. Yeah. And also the elixir of life. Okay. Mm. So the philosopher's stone, what that was, was something that would turn base metals into gold. Mm-hmm. And the elixir of life was like, you know, your fountain of youth type of deal. Cool. Okay. But okay. made from alchemical, alche- alchemical gold. Okay. So, like so you needed the philosopher's stone. Turn it, you, yeah, you need the philosopher's stone to turn your stuff into gold. And then you use that gold to get the elixir of life, I think. That's, I let, that's Harry Potter canon. That's what Nicholas Flamel did. So all right, all right. that's so, I mean, it. Yep, you're there. Okay, well then then congrats, J.K. Rowling. You did your research. Knows your alchemy. All right. So alchemy is not just trying people trying to turn stuff into gold. Although... Um, it was a major goal, right? Yeah. Um, um, Arabic alchemy does make its way to Europe in the 11th century. I didn't mention that earlier. Um, and Raz was one of the main dudes that was read in the subject by the Europeans interested in Arabic alchemy. Okay. Okay. There's another guy. Um, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm going to say Geber, G-E-B-E-R. It comes from his actual Arabic name, which is Jabir Ibn Hayyan, which is probably not right either. But he was one of the other ones from the East that gets studied in the West when they get interested in alchemy. Uh, that guy, though, he was actually, they think it was a collection of stuff from the Brethren, Brethren of Purity. It wasn't just one guy. But oh. anyway. From some of his theories later on, we'll get philosophical sulfur, philosophical mercury. Um, So we had philosophical wool last week, but yeah, yeah, so we get all these other things like philosophical wool and or sulfur and mercury and stuff. So anyway, Raz was a major player in the alchemy game and he literally wrote the book on it. And that book was called Secret of Secrets, which is how this whole thing with Raz started because I read about there's a book called The Secret of Secrets. And I'm like, ooh, you know, The Lion King when they're like, Mufasa. And she's like, ooh, say it again, Mufasa. That's how I feel like when I say Secret of Secrets, like, ooh, ooh Secret of Secrets. Yeah. Secret of Secrets, what, what, tell me all the secrets. I know, right? Um, what it actually is, is basically a lab manual that the European alchemists would later use. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
And I almost spent the $6 or whatever it was on Amazon to get a Kindle version of this book translated into English. I'm not, I'm not saying I won't still do it. I just haven't done it yet. But the book has large lists of chemicals and minerals. He describes glassware techniques that he used. Um, and supposedly they are so plainly written out like a recipe card or like just like lab instructions. He like, you could go into the lab today and just like do something from his secret of secrets book, which is kind of why I want to purchase it. Because if there's something in there that sounds cool, I kind of want to look, I'll go in the lab and do stuff. I mean, anyway. listen, you're a chemist. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's in there anyway. I feel like, mm, you, know. you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just think that's so cool. So Raz was kind of skeptical of the whole transmutation, turn stuff into gold thing. It's not that he didn't try to do it because I kind of everybody doing practicing alchemy was doing it. But the fact that he wrote Secret of Secrets and it's a bunch of other types of things to do uh, shows you that he kind of saw beyond just that transmutation goal or whatever. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, and maybe because he was so methodical and objective when it came to medicine, that also made him more objective and methodical when it came to alchemy, you know? Yeah, no, that's probably personality, right. Like yeah, he's that's probably what can I observe? Yeah. So, um, some of the main concepts though, from his alchemy, chemical writings have to do with classification of chemicals Ooh. so chemicals have kind of been classified different ways over time yeah. um and even right before him can't remember now who it was it might have been the gaber um well it was the brethren of purity might have been them but they did some kind of classification, but he kind of takes that farther. So okay. he notes whether something is from an animal source, a mineral source, a vegetable source, or some kind of derivative. Oh. He also classifies minerals into subclasses called spirits, bodies, stones, vitriols, boruses, and salts. Wow. One, we talked about vitriols last episode. So maybe we have Raz, or Raz to thank for that. Yeah. Because we talked about um, sulfuric acid was like oil of vitriol or whatever. Yeah. But to give you an idea of what types of things go into those subclasses, just I don't, again, for fun. Yeah. So bodies meant basically metals, like mm. fusible substances you could hammer. Okay. Okay. Spirits were things like sulfur, arsenic, mercury, basically substances that would volatilize in fire. Stone to be something, um, one of the sources I read gave the example of malachite, but uh, those like um, oxides, basically like substances that would shatter on hammering, right? Okay. Those kinds of things. Those are stones. So that's a little bit different than bodies, which is like just a metal. Mm -hmm. Vitriols would be sulfates, which mm -hmm. are, you know, your soluble compounds of metal with sulfur and oxygen. Sure. Boruses are going to be borax, which is, um, it's a naturally occurring sodium boron salt. Um, also plant ash would get mm. considered as a, a bore, a borax, uh, derivative. Okay. And then salt would be your sodium chloride potash, which was potassium carbonate from wood ash. Yeah. It gets the nickname of potash and then nitre, which is potassium nitrate, mm -hmm. which is saltpeter. Amazing. Which is the third episode now that I've gotten to talk about saltpeter. It's perfect. I just love it. Um, so anyway, Obviously, we discussed even last week, modern chemistry has come a very long way from alchemy in the 10th century. Um, but I just find the evolution of chemistry from what we're looking at in the 10th century in Persia mm -hmm. to what we know now, I could just find it so fascinating. Like I'm loving reading the book, The Last Sorcerers, because it's just so cool to see yeah how things change over time it's it's just so cool and I had no idea that a guy named Raz played such a huge role in it so yeah, there you go yeah that is not by any means an extensive treatment of his science but you know I feel like it gives you the fun facts some of the important things mm -hmm. um yeah try to go to go to Amazon and buy secret of secrets for six yeah. something dollars on Kindle you know Honestly, I'm curious because, you know, I've got science students and I, they have to write lab, they have to write really good, what I call it a lab notebook, but they have to write really good experiment write-ups with lots of detail and whatever. So like, I want to see like, 
if Raz was in my class, would he pass his lab notebook? Mm, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'm kind of curious because we know how we do know, it, I, you know? As I said, I haven't ruled out purchasing. Hey, if you do, like send me screenshots because I'm just like, I want to know. <laughs> I'll send you the highlights. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, so that is, I guess, some of Raz's science. Awesome. I just learned a lot. Yeah, he totally BA. I learned so much. This That was great. It was really great. Good job. Yeah. Okay, so let's take a break then so that we can talk about our favorite part. Like, why is he a BA? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so let's let's do that. We'll take our break and then we'll talk about legacy. Sounds good. Okay, so to wrap up today, let's talk about what makes Raz a total BA. Even though the info on his life is limited, I think he's still got a lot of BA stuff in there. So like yeah. what, what comes to your mind as you're like, this is, these are some BA things. I mean, the fact that his writings made their way West from Persia and became part of kind of like the, the textbooks, not necessarily that was the only thing, but that his work basically made it into the medical education in the West. I think that's super cool. Yeah. Uh, and the, the role that he played and the fact that he had the idea of observing things and examining a patient and doing tests and, you know, it, it was so methodical. And for that time, I guess, even in my brain before I did this, it's like, well, back then it was just like all mysticism and humors and just like leeches and whatever. Mm, yeah. It, right. Like you just have that kind of that idea of that's what it was like back then or whatever. So I just think it's really cool that he was so evidence-based and was just played that, that big role in that. And also, I mean, the book called the secret of secrets, I just can't get over it. Absolutely. Can't get over it. That's super BA. Absolutely. Another fun fact for me mm -hmm. that to me elevates his BA-ness. I read somewhere, I forget now where, that he had, and I quote, an active opposition to mathematics. <gasps> I feel like he and I would understand each other. Okay, we're not. He would get me. Mm -mm, he would not. get me. Yeah, you guys would be the only two people sitting at the science table hating on math. So ugh. I don't know how, I mean, I think that was like a, again, it was like a read in passing on some internet source or whatever, not like one of my papers that I was reading, right. but I loved it, but it wouldn't note of it so that I could mention it. It wouldn't be surprising. Yeah. Like it wouldn't be, that would not be surprising about him. And it, and he would totally have like said something about it because obviously he said something about everything else. That's one of my favorite things about him. Like in terms of his personality the thing that makes him a ba when the guy came to him and was like no no i got this goo you put on your face and you'll make your eyes better and he's like excuse me tell me about my eye before you do that and he's like i don't know it just works no absolutely not i just like that his personality was wasn't i feel like he told it like it was but without like he wasn't necessarily a total jerk but he wasn't he was like i don't care for math no you're not going to work on my eyes Yes. Yes. You are obese. Like he wrote about obesity. Like, yeah, you, this you're obese, you know, like, yeah. I feel like that was, that's pretty, like, I like his personality. And, um, in terms of his science, I, the, the idea that he wrote this case book, I just, that blows my mind. And it's, and it's so like, cause I like stuff like that too, because like, you know, I watch murder shows, like, no, I want to get into like, someone's head show me show me the case study on this person and all of the information about them so you can figure out why this happens or why it doesn't happen and I love that stuff so for him to like go back and or back in this time and to put it all together that is just I want to read every word of it I want to know all the things he said about it and I and I guess I can thank him today for having to fill out the ridiculous medical history that I have to fill out because turns out it's probably smart to know, you know, oh, do, do other people in your family have diabetes? Well, guess what? Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out, turns or, out you that's know, knowing your blood type. 
know if we've had a conversation on this podcast of the fact that I still don't know my blood type, but stuff like that, you should know, you know? Yeah. Well, and you know, you know, once it's written down, maybe you should just pass it around to other offices that may be treating you guys. I, that shouldn't be, listen, I have a lot of things in my head. That is something that I deleted. Can we just, uh, didn't they like make it a law, like a bunch of medical records had to be digitized. Like, why did you digitize them? If you're not just going to share them? Yeah. Also what, what paper do I have to sign to give you permission? Cause I'll sign that paper. I know. I have had that, like I was transferring doctors from when I lived in California and moved back, but it was like a whole bunch of paperwork to fill out, to release them, to give them my records. But then they still made me fill out papers anyway. So I was like, oh. no, and it's like, what is the point of you having this? If someone, and because you know that someone still has to do that data entry, which is not fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. for us, it's kind of easy because I'm still at the age where like, do you have any of the following? All of these are no. Yeah. And then we get to the headaches part. It's like, yeah, I get headaches sometimes. And then everything else is a no. You know what I mean? Like we're still that, that age. So if you yeah. are a person out there in the medical data entry field, please, please let us know why we can't just stop filling out these medical forms. Just the medical history form. I'll tell you who yeah. my insurance is all day long. That's totally fine. But how many more people do I have to tell that I, that I'm not bilious? Like, <laughs> You know, my liver's fine. Yeah. That's all. That's all I want to know. So, all right. Are you ready for sources? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I had the last sorcerers actually was um, one of my main reference or a major reference for me mm-hmm. in terms of just understanding that time. Um, I have one on, uh, I'm not going to read his whole name, but Raze's philosopher, physician, and alchemist. Mm-hmm. Um, Raza's pioneer viewpoints about psychiatry, neurology, and neuroscience, uh, Al Razi and Islamic medicine in the ninth century, mm-hmm. uh, Razi's and his early contributions to the field of pediatrics. So I have a lot of, uh, journal articles mm-hmm. that were really good for, um, you know, giving me a lot of this background information or citing some of those primary sources mm-hmm. in enough detail that I didn't actually have to like try to find them in English. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, my, my sources are similar. Of course, Wikipedia, I spent a lot of time like running down rabbit holes on Wikipedia to try to figure out how to explain a thousand years of Roman empirical Mm -hmm. history in, you know, a paragraph. So that, that took up some time. Thank you, Wikipedia for that. Um, Yeah. And I had a couple of journal articles too. I used, well, okay. The book I used, cause it was again, the only one that was translated that I could get a copy of was the spiritual physic of Raza's translated by Arthur J. Arbery. So if you can find a copy of that, it's cool. It's interesting. It was, it was funny. Some of it was funny. Not, he didn't mean it to be funny. It just entertained me. Then, yeah, there was a, there was a journal article from ancient science of life called Raza's concepts and manuscripts on nutrition and treatment and healthcare. And so it had some like information on his life in that article. And then there was an article in the Annals of Saudi Medicine. And it was about Raza's yeah. philosopher, physician, that one. Yeah. yeah. Was that, that the same one, one you yeah. saw? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a cool article too. So, yeah. and I had to skip a bunch of it. So I'm sure that you, you skipped the beginning yeah. and I skipped the end. So yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, those were my sources. All of our sources, of course, will go yeah. on. Uh, website, which we've been super good about this season. Yeah, and I'm going to, I have to give you credit though, because you're the one that does the sources post because I'm yeah. doing other things. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's good. So are you ready to tease next week? Yeah. What do you do when what you're learning actually is rocket science? Ooh, yeah. Rocket science. I say that to my daughter all the time. This is not rocket science. Yes. But what and if it is? But what if it is? Because as I was researching our person for next week, because I am doing the science, mm-hmm. I ran up against some things where it's like, you know what? I really am not a rocket scientist. Mm-hmm. And this is hard. This is hard. Yeah. So yeah. next week, uh, next week's going to be interesting. It's good. We have a really good, uh, very BA person next week. Yeah. So yes. yeah. Do you have anything else for this week? No. All right, neither do I. So until next time, live dangerously, do science.